I have found out beat news in depth for you. Good evening and welcome to Outbeat News in Depth. I'm Greg Moralia. It's May 22nd, Harvey Milk's birthday, and in California, that means it's officially Harvey Milk Day. California is the first state to recognize an out gay man with an official day of remembrance. So it seems only fitting that we begin tonight's show with the new executive director of the San Francisco GLBT Historical Society, Terry Beswick. And in the second half of our hour, we'll get you all set for this year's Sonoma County Pride Celebration, happening in just a couple of weeks. Sonoma County Pride Chair Chuck Ramsey is here to give us all the details. All of this is coming up next, right after your Outbeat Radio News, for this Sunday, May 22nd, 2016. I have found Outbeat Radio News, your source for LGBT news from the North Bay and beyond. This week, the House of Representatives passed a massive National Defense Authorization Act, And tucked inside is a provision that would allow federal contractors to fire employees for being lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. The language slipped into the bill by Republican Steve Russell would dismantle President Barack Obama's 2014 executive action that makes it illegal for government contractors to fire or harass employees based on their sexual orientation or gender identity. In its place, Russell's provision applies a broad exemption that would open the door to contractors discriminating against LGBT people based on the contractor's religious beliefs. The government awards more than 2,000 contracts to religious organizations every year. Russell's measure would affect every grant, contract, or purchase order made by every federal agency, including contracts with hospitals, homeless shelters, colleges, schools, domestic violence shelters, and adoption agencies. And in Mississippi, the school's chief backed away on Wednesday from federal guidance to allow transgender students to use the bathrooms of their choice amid pushback from state leaders. Education Superintendent Carrie Wright said in a statement that her department would, quote, follow the lead of state leadership and take no action at this time. The department previously said it intended to follow the non-binding guidance issued to U.S. schools by the Obama administration last week. In a statement on Friday, the department said, quote, a safe and caring school environment is critical to a student's ability to learn and achieve. In response, Mississippi Republican Governor Phil Bryant urged state education officials to disregard the guidance, which comes at a time of escalating tension over the civil rights of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender individuals. Bryant said, quote, because these decisions are better left to the states and not made at the point of a federal bayonet, Mississippi's public schools should not participate in the president's social experiment. The Obama administration's letter to U.S. schools has received mixed responses, and advocates for transgender students have cheered the directive, while conservatives have vowed to fight the administration's positions that U.S. laws against sex discrimination in schools include gender identity. And here in Sonoma County, Outwatch Wine Country's LGBTQI Film Festival will host a program of engaging and entertaining short films as the official kickoff to Sonoma County Pride on Thursday, June 2nd. The 11 films will be screened at the Rio Theater in Monterio at 7 p.m. Two films feature Sonoma County residents. Queer Habits, which debuted at Frameline 39 in San Francisco, is a documentary project following the Russian River Sisters chapter of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence and those lives they've changed. Director Drew Denny and the Russian River Sisters will be in attendance. And Partners is a charming exploration of the communal sociability of same-sex square dancing and features Sonoma County's own Redwood Rainbows. 
The program will also include films produced by Bay Area filmmakers. San Francisco Drag Legend, Fundraiser, and San Francisco Pride Parade's longtime host, Donna Sachet, is the dazzling subject of Sachet the Movie. You can get tickets and learn more at OutwatchFilmFest.org. An Aging Together with Pride, an eight-week series for LGBT seniors will happen on Saturdays starting June 4th through July 30th at the Petaluma Health Center. This is the third series for LGBT seniors to happen here in Sonoma County. Gary Herms will lead the group that will prepare participants for the challenges and explore the possibilities of their later years. Aging Together is sponsored by a grant from the Sonoma County LGBTQI Giving Circle and the Sonoma County Human Services Department. You can learn more by calling 707-227-6935. And if you missed Private Lives, Private Lies in April, you have another chance to see it on June 11th. This original LGBTQ play written by Outbeat Radio's own Dr. Diana Grayer will be performed at the Cloverdale Performing Arts Center in Cloverdale on Saturday, June 11th at 7 p.m. You can learn more and get tickets at CloverdalePerformingArts.com. Now here's your calendar of events for the coming week. On Monday, May 23rd at 7 p.m., the Parents of Trans Youth Support Meeting will happen at the Positive Images Center, 312 Chin Street in Santa Rosa. And on Tuesday, May 24th at 1.30 p.m., the Santa Rosa Senior Group will meet at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation at the Glacier Center. And for more information about LGBT events happening here in the North Bay, go to GaySonoma.com. And for all your 2016 Pride Celebration information, go to our website at OutbeatNews.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for updates from Outbeat Radio News all week long. For Gary Carnavelli, I'm Greg Moralia. Outbeat Radio News, your source for LGBT news from the North Bay and beyond. Somewhere in Des Moines or San Antonio, there's a young gay person who all of a sudden realizes that she or he is gay, knows that if the parents find out, they'll be tossed out of the house, the classmates would taunt the child, and the Anita Bryans and John Briggs are doing their bit on TV, and that child had several options, staying in a closet, suicide and then one day that child might open a paper and it says homosexual elected in san francisco and there are two new options the option is to go to california <laughs> stay in san antonio and fight two days after i was elected i got a phone call and the voice was quite young it was from altoona pennsylvania and the person said Thanks. And you've got to elect gay people so that that young child and the thousands upon thousands like that child know that there's hope for a better world. There's hope for a better tomorrow. Without hope, not only gays, but those blacks and the Asians and the disabled and the seniors, the us's. The S's, without hope, the S's give up. I know that you cannot live on hope alone, but without it, life is not worth living. And you, and you, and you, you've got to give them hope. Thank you very much.
I always get chills every time I hear that recording. Of course, that was Harvey Milk, who would have been 86 years old today, and he's clearly one of the best-known LGBT heroes. But there's so much more history in our community here in the Bay Area, and the San Francisco GLBT Historical Society has been working hard since 1985 to preserve that history and to make it accessible to all of us. Joining us tonight is the new executive director of the GLBT Historical Society, Terry Beswick. Terry, welcome to the show. Thanks, Greg. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate it. Well, I'm excited to hear all about uh, what's going on with the, with the Historical Society. But before we get to that, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to be the executive director. Well, that's a good question. I've been on the job now for just about three and a half months, and uh, it's been an amazing roller coaster already. It's uh, it's a really great organization, and I'm very fortunate. I have a small staff, but I have uh, a huge uh, uh, legion of, of volunteers that are uh, academics and uh, historians and researchers that are working with me to make sure that our history is preserved and protected and, and also is uh, made available to the public and in, in, in displayed in ways that people can understand and communicates to them. So I um, I signed up for this job a few months ago. I, um, the last seven years I was working with the Castro Country Club in San Francisco, which is a small nonprofit serving LGBT people in recovery. And uh, that was an amazing job. It was a little bit more low-key than this job, actually. Uh, we're, you know, uh, 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 serving thousands of people there. But uh, pretty much on the you know uh, quiet organization, people coming in there uh, who have problems with drugs or alcohol or wanting to help other people with drug and alcohol problems. So the reason I was hired for this job is because I, I worked there to uh, to sustain that organization and to build it. We raised money to uh, remodel the place and and uh, expanded our program significantly. And also, I have a long history of working in uh, activism and journalism around uh, primarily AIDS. But uh, always with a gay-related organization since I was uh, much younger. Uh, starting in about 1985-86, I became an AIDS activist with a little group in San Francisco called uh, Citizens for Medical Justice. And uh, it was kind of, you know, I had studied theater in, in school, and so uh, I, I uh, was uh, I was used to putting on shows, and that's basically what we did. Uh, you know, we'd get really angry about an issue, and then we'd pull together a little theater troupe, and we'd go out and put on a show on the streets and uh, put on a skit, sometimes costumes, and, you know, always very gay and creative. And mm -hmm. at the end, we'd often get arrested, and so uh, and that way we'd make the papers. So, uh, and, you know, we had some effect on some of the issues, sometimes just drawing attention to some issues. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the stakes were very high. And uh, so uh, from 86 to uh, to 96, I worked with a variety of different AIDS organizations, primarily focusing on AIDS research. Um, and actually, I think it's uh, this, this summer uh, in July will be the 20th anniversary of the International Conference on AIDS in Vancouver, wow. uh, where the uh, protease inhibitors uh, results were released. And uh, so I, I was working on, on protease inhibitors issues uh, when I was in D.C. And, and in San Francisco. We didn't know what was going to work out, but uh, um, and even at that time, you know, it was sort of like a soft uh, news announcement in terms of its development. It was big. I mean, I wrote a, a story for the uh, San Francisco Bay Times actually in, in uh, uh, twenty years ago uh, in June, um, prior to the conference. 
uh, and uh, the cover was the word C U R E, you know, with the E tilted, kind of stacked mm-hmm. like L O V E. And uh, so, you know, there was hope. There was a great deal of hope. Um, uh, speaking of hope, and uh, I, um, um, and but the, the story that I wrote was in depth, kind of looking at everything from you know uh, uh, prep. You know, which we have now, of course, it is possible ramifications to that, lowering viral load to re- reduce right, infectiousness right. and all those things. And so, uh, so that, so that was kind of like my history. That was my passion. Um, and, uh, you know, I took a, a, a year or two off, um, in the late nineties and, you know, and I got involved in the recovery movement, uh, and, um, so I've always been involved in, in working with nonprofits and governmental organizations and and, and uh, news organizations to uh, try to, uh, well, first of all, it was to survive, um, but also to sort of further our cause as as LGBT people uh, as far as our equal rights are concerned. And so, so I'm I'm really excited. This is for me. It's kind of like a luxury job. You know, I'm very lucky that I, I get to uh, I get to work with all these brilliant people that uh, have been involved in ver- various causes and and collect people's uh, historical records and and um, and make those available. I think we've got like two hundred. We made a list recently, and I think it's like two hundred. Uh, uh, books or documentaries um, um, and uh, master's theses and uh, uh, that have been uh, written largely uh, with the materials that we have in the archives at the GLBT Historical wow. Society in San Francisco. So it's so and just measuring the ramifications of that is almost impossible. I mean, you know, things like the milk, the movie milk, um, and. Uh, um, right now, when we rise, um, is Dustin doing, Lance Black's new film, right? Uh, it's actually it's an ABC miniseries, uh, and it's a, it's got s- uh, several activists uh, from the seventies. Uh, uh, who were act, uh, became most active in the 70s in San Francisco, and it kind of follows their lives. I don't know the plot, but uh, it's um, uh, it's being shot. It was being shot in in uh, Vancouver and also in San Francisco. Um, on location, and uh, so they they used our materials in the archives to sort of, you know, just do location uh, work, mm-hmm. uh, making sure that it was all historically accurate and whatnot. And uh, so we're very excited about that. And um, uh, yeah, so my my own uh, my own story. You know, I'm I'm 56, and so uh, uh, getting to this point uh, where I'd be running this organization has been a long and circuitous route. And uh, I was reading a little bit about uh, Harvey Milk's story today, and uh, what did this this uh, somewhere was reading saying that he had eight careers. Before he became a politician, <laughs> not to compare myself, but I, I, uh, I, I, I kind of had a similar story. Yeah. Well, that. you've witnessed yeah. so much over the the last five decades. I mean, Harvey's story was certainly a big part of that, but right. there is so much history that has genesis right here in the Bay Area and the Castro itself. Right. And you mentioned the AIDS epidemic, uh, but talk about. Uh, the impetus for the historical society being formed in the first place. It was about that same time in the 80s, right? Uh, yeah, it, it was. I mean, there were uh, some precursor organizations to the GLBT Historical Society, but uh, it, it, it basically it started, uh, there were a few guys who were involved. Actually, they met in Scott uh, uh, Smith's, uh, Parvey Milk's partner's uh, uh, living room, and they began having meetings there, and, and uh, they were talking, you know, it was after the Anita Bryant stuff, 
going on and and uh so there was a lot of anger and greg pennington was uh uh, began researching uh, news articles because he was, he was just started collecting news articles mm-hmm. and periodicals and things like that and and he met with a uh, uh, William Walker Willie Walker and uh, Alan Barabay in uh, Scott Smith's uh, living room and and uh, Gail Rubin and they started you know forming collecting these their putting their materials together and and one thing kind of led to another to another and uh it's 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 developed into 800 uh, collections of uh, personal contributions of people's papers organizational records um audio tapes and and videotapes and all all kinds of things we don't collect books per se uh but uh, uh more like the um the um source material that can contribute to books um and uh, we've also done a number of oral histories with people and we're going to be uh beginning a process of doing more of that, uh, collecting oral histories from people that were around before or are active in, in historically significant events now. Um, so, uh, so that's how it started and, and it just kind of grew, you know, and, um, um, and it's, uh, it continues to grow. We, we started a museum, uh, as you know, that's right. And it was, it was a pop-up originally, right? Originally. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, we had the archives, spa- I think we're in our fifth location for the archives, uh, that we just moved to this weekend actually, but, um, much larger and larger space that we're growing into but so in the in the archives we used to do some exhibits um and in a conference room and that kind of thing but uh, i think it was about seven years ago that uh we started having pop-up museums and uh, there was one uh, you might recall in the corner of 18th yep. castro street the old former camera store there and um uh, actually, I went in there a couple of times and I dropped off some things because they were collecting donations, you know, for the archives and for the museum. And they just uh, put out an open call, so I like cleaned out some some drawers and dropped off things like, you know, T-shirts and posters and things like that. And people still do that, uh, and uh, you know, we're happy to get it in an organized kind of way. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so we started the museum. Um, and uh, it opened about five and a half years ago, um, and it's next door to Badlands on, on uh, 18th uh, near Castro. And uh, so it's, it's – as I said before, it's relatively small, um, but we have room for – I think it's about 10 exhibits that we have in there right now. Um, uh, uh, and some of them are rotating exhibits and some of them are more permanent, like the Harvey Milk uh, exhibit. Um, so – uh, so we're very excited. We have about, um, uh, I think it's 15,000 we had uh, come through there last year, uh, wow. visitors, and about 60% of those are visitors from out of town or, or at least outside California. And so, um, so, uh, and they're, they all, they come from all walks of life. You know, a lot of, a lot of tourists, they come to the Castro to sort of check out the gays and, uh, you know, look at the naked guys or whatever, you know. Who are, by the way, not even gay, but um, they come down to the Castro and check us out, and you know they just want to see a drag queen or something like that, and you know they have nothing to do, so maybe they go down to the, the to the museum, you know, and check that out, and and so it's kind of cool um, that they we have the opportunity to educate people and st- spark conversations about, you know, to, you know, um, uh, understanding our history. I I just thought about you know my. I have a brother um, who actually lives right around here who um, some years ago, he just kind of blurted this out, you know, in, in conversation over dinner one day that uh, he thought that um, 
you know, gay people have only been around for 20 years or something like that. You know, I mean, people actually believe that. Mm -hmm. And so for them to find out that, you know, our history goes back, you know, I mean, our recorded history goes back, you know, thousands of years, of course. um, But that we have documentation going back 100 years in our archives and uh, that, you know, that we have... We have stories, you know, so the word gay hasn't been around for that long. The word homosexual even has only been around for, what, 150 or so years. But but, uh, um, but certainly, uh, you know, we have um, same-sex relationships and transgender relationships, transgender people um, that uh, have historical records that are, are – we can show to people and we can tell their stories. And so people come in there and they, and they actually learn people's personal stories and in a way that they can identify with. Yeah. No, it's quite a revelation. I, I was talking before we went on the air about uh, a class I just brought there yesterday. We oh, bring, yes. uh, our police academies down uh, for a cultural immersion and then the LGBT studies students. And these are 20-somethings. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they have not been exposed to LGBT history because it, it hasn't made its way into the history books yet. Right. And so they're learning about uh, Harvey Milk. Who, who is such a big figure in our community. But as I told you, I, I said, how many of you know who he is? And two people out of a group of 34, you know, immediately raised their hands. And I thought, oh, my gosh, we've, we're so far behind. But right. the, the, the history goes much deeper than that. Talk about some of the other groups uh, that come through. I, I'm sure I'm not the only school group that comes down. No, we have, we, uh, you know, in the San Francisco school district, we have uh, um, high school and junior high st- school groups coming through on a regular basis. Um, also just, uh, um, you know, tourist groups, you know, led by other, uh, like, tourist group leaders <laughs> and uh so they so they come through and sometimes we have a docent uh who meet will meet with them like you do um to show them around the around the museum and and uh, you know we can't really like hold we can't really blame people for not being knowledgeable you know uh, if if their only uh knowledge about um uh, Gay people comes from you know television, you know Will and Grace and American Family, and that's that you know that's that's the extent of their knowledge. That if if they're as you as you said, if they're not in, taught in school, or if if we don't have a, our history history re- represented in in history museums in the right. Museum of American History, and you know where are where is the gay, and so uh, so that's kind of like why we exist. And, and uh, yeah, I see. I, I get very excited when when I, I sometimes I just eavesdrop on people coming through there, or other docents will tell me like you did uh, about what people say. And you know, there was a, a couple um, young lesbian couple uh, that came through recently, and you know they're. Uh, both uh, of color and uh, from just rural Cal- California, and uh, and they came. They didn't know we were there, and they just happened to come in and and walked through the museum. And they were just they came up and they were just. Am- they said, "I had no idea that anything like this existed," you know. And it was they were so amazed that it was diverse, you know, mm-hmm. um, because you know we get a rap in the Castro for being just all about the gay white. Uh, population uh right and uh um and i think you know that that actually has i mean the whole castro has changed quite a bit over the years of course but so we make a special point of making sure that uh, uh the diversity of our communities are represented in the museum and in the programming that we do there um 
um, because we uh, we come from everywhere, and you know, as Harvey Milk uh, used to often say, I mean, that's our strength. That's the amazing thing. That's the unexpected power of the gay community is the fact that we do come from everywhere. And so, you know, we come from the Catholics and the Jews and the Protestants, and we come from the Black and the Asian and the Latino. And so, those populations see us and as part of their families and their neighborhoods. And uh, uh, increasingly, you know, we stay there and we don't go to the gay ghettos necessarily um, or we go back and forth quite freely, you know, as, as, as we become uh, more protected by uh, the laws um, and by social mores are more accepting, I think, now. And so we're able to integrate and stay integrated. But so but so the amazing thing is, that you know, we as gay people, we have empathy for other disenfranchised communities because we've experienced uh, discrimination and oppression. And so we're able to take that empathy, I hope, I believe, and, and share that, um, take that back to our communities and and uh, and defend other populations that aren't exactly sure, like us. Sure. So I think that that's an amazing way that we sort of magnify uh, the power of um, of the power of gay. Right, right. You know. Well, next month's Pride Month. We're talking about that tonight and talking about, uh, you know, Sonoma County Pride coming up in just a couple weeks. It's hard to believe. And and so June is really, a, I think, an ideal time. If you haven't been down to the museum and you haven't been down to the Castro itself, it's a, it's a perfect time to do it. Um, if you haven't been down there recently, the, the sidewalk expansion project and the whole history walk is there. And so it's it can right. be a whole experience for you. And then to go to the museum. So tell us what some of our listeners might expect to see if they visit the museum in June. Sure. Yeah. Well, we're, we're well. Actually, just this uh, this last week, we had the first in a series of uh, of um, uh, shows that we we did drawing directly from the archives. Uh, we have a archivist, a researcher named John Rains, and he's also a a, a preservationist of, of videotape, and he's taken a lot of the videotape home movies that we have in the archives and uh, and put together some shows and so this week this last week he put together a show that was about Harvey Milk and uh, uh, amazing stories of the White Knight riots after Dan White was uh convicted of what second degree manslaughter and right. so that we had the riots at, at, at city hall to protest that and it was just so cool to see this uh, video footage of you know of um uh behind the scenes the stuff that we didn't see in the news clips you know of uh, the anger and the grief that people were uh were venting and in in and uh, the violence that was expressed and um you know and i i uh uh, so just to absorb that and sit there was really amazing. Anyway, um, the second one that he's going to be doing is actually on June 10th in the museum. And it's going to be more home movies from the archives, and it's going to be focused on Pride in the 70s. Uh, so you'll see, you know, Harvey Milk in, in that as well, of course, uh, riding in the parades uh, uh, and uh, after uh, his election. Um, I think it was yeah, it was November, right? In that the assassination took right. place in November in '78, uh, right? right? Which was like six months after I graduated high school, actually. So uh, uh, down in uh, Monterey County. So I was uh, I was um, I was aware of of what was happening, but. Uh, um, the sense of loss, even as an 18 year old, that I I felt back then. So, so. But I didn't get to participate in that in that uh, uh, pre-milk 
pre-AIDS, um, really, uh, San Francisco environment uh, very much. And so to go back and, like, look at, at Pride in the 70s and what that looked like, I think it'll be really fun. You won't see, you won't see Facebook or Apple marching in those parades, right? Uh, probably not, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I don't even know if the mayor rode in those parades, actually. Probably not. I mean, it was much, yeah. more, it was much more militant, much more still uh, had a fight theme to it. Right. As opposed to right. a, a celebration. Yeah, it did start as a protest, after all, right. with the Stonewall riots. And, yeah, and then we have uh, also in June, on June 21st, this one is actually going to uh, – most, most events that we have at the museum cost like $5, and they're free for members. Uh, but on June 21st, we're going to have a special benefit, and it's going to uh, feature a conversation between Jim Obergefell and Shannon Minter. Wow. And Obergefell, of course, was the plaintiff in the uh, marriage case. Um, the, uh, the, where the Supreme, Supreme Court, of course, uh, legalized a marriage in all 50 states. And so uh, he's got a new book out called uh, Love Wins, The Lovers and Lawyers Who Fought the Landmark Case for Marriage Equality. And so he's going to be talking with Shannon Minter from the Center for Lesbian Rights. That's on June uh, 21st, which is a Tuesday from 6 to 9 o'clock. 6 o'clock is $100 for VIP uh, reception with Jim. And then uh, from 7 to 9, they'll be uh, talking and uh, in conversation and, and uh, also answering questions and reading from the book. And so we're very excited about that and proud to be having that there. Um, oh, uh, earlier on May uh, 20th, we have a book about Pedro Zamora. Uh, That's right, from MTV, I right. remember. Real World, right. He was an amazing act, uh, activist in his brief, his young life and his brief public career, uh, uh, being open and public about uh, being HIV positive. And, of course, this is before the treatments came out. So, um uh, so there's a book out called uh, Pedro Zamora's Sexuality AIDS Education, and so that's on uh, June. Excuse me, that's on. Ju- sorry, it was on June, June fourteenth from seven to nine Perfect. p.m. Perfect. Yeah. Well, and we'll have all those dates. Yeah, you uh, can check that on our web, and, we'll and you can look website. on our website too um, at glbthistory.org. Um, and we're a nonprofit organization, of course, and so we're always looking yeah. for donations to support our work with the archives and the museum. And uh, a lot of other events. We actually had this last week just three events at the museum. And so it's, we have a very, very busy schedule, a lot of interesting events coming up. That's fantastic. And it's right here, right here in the Bay Area. Right. So tell us about, again, give us the website again where people can go to learn more about the museum. And then if they want to become members where they can go to do that. Right. So what you have to do first is you have to misspell LGBT. We're uh, misspelled. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's an archival thing, you know, uh, going back to when we were founded. There was a moment in time where GLBT was the, uh, was, uh, was the uh, acronym that was most frequently used. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of stuck with it. And uh, so uh, it's uh, glbthistory.org. And uh, you can check us out there and find out a lot more. We have an annual membership uh, program, and it starts at $50 for the whole year, and that gets you into all our programs at the museum for free. Um, you can also bring a guest to visit the museum whenever you like and access our archives if you want to dig around and do some research on your family, friends, or your own background. I just also want to make a, a pitch Greg, that we are um, now that we've moved this week into larger archives, we have more space. 
And so we are uh, in particular looking for donations of archival records, you know, uh, letters, correspondence, posters, ephemera for the, uh, from people's experiences, whether it's just their personal lives or or historically significant events that they participated in. Um, 70s and earlier is great. Um, we're also in particular looking for stuff from people of color um, and from uh, lesbians. We just want to make sure that we have uh, materials from those communities in particular. And so, um, and we're, you know, the older the better. Um, we're, our focus is on Northern California, but um, please reach out to us. Uh, a lot of people are getting older and they have stuff. You know, you can put us in your will. Uh, to have your materials be contributed to us, and awesome. uh, so we're very interested in that. Fantastic! What a which what a rich resource that we have right here in our own backyard. We've been talking with Terry Beswick, who's the executive director of the GLBT Historical Society. Thanks so much for being with us tonight. Thanks a lot for having me, Greg. Well, as I mentioned earlier, Harvey Milk would have been 86 years old today. Before he was killed, he recorded a final testimonial, an almost eerie prediction of what was to come. But his message continued to be one of strength and hope. This is Harvey Milk speaking from Emma Store on the evening of Friday, November 18th. This is to be played only in the event of my death by assassination. I fully realize that um, a person uh, who stands for what I stand for, an activist, gay activist becomes the target or the potential target for somebody who is insecure, terrified, afraid, or very disturbed themselves. Knowing that uh, I could be assassinated at any moment, at any time, I feel it's important that some people know my thoughts. Uh, and so following my thoughts, my wishes, my desires, whatever, and uh, I'd like to pass them on and have them played for the appropriate people. The first and most obvious and most concerned is that if I was to be shot and killed, the mayor has the power, George Moscone, of appointing my successor on the Board of Supervisors. So I would like to have him know what my thoughts are. I have never considered myself a candidate. I have always considered myself part of a movement, part of a candidacy. I considered the movement the candidate. And I think that uh, I wish I had time to explain everything I did. Almost everything was done in the eyes of the gay movement. The other aspect of this tape is the obvious and is what should happen if there is an assassination and that is cannot prevent it some people from getting angry and frustrated and mad, but I hope they would take the anger and frustration and madness instead of demonstrating or anything of that type. I would hope they take it to positive and I would hope five, ten, a hundred thousand would rise. I'd love to see every gay doctor come out. I'd love to see every gay lawyer, every gay judge, every gay bureaucrat, every gay architect come out. Stand up and let the world know that would do more to end prejudice overnight than anybody could ever imagine. 
If you're just joining us, you're listening to Outbeat News in Depth on KRCB Radio 91. I'm Greg Moralia. Pretty eerie tape. Well, next month is Pride Month, and in just two weeks, we will be celebrating Sonoma County Pride right here in beautiful Sonoma County. And with us now is the president of the Sonoma County Pride Organization, Chuck Ramsey. Chuck, welcome to the show. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate it. Great to to have you back. Uh, We talked last year just as you stepped up to take the reins. Uh, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence had backed away, and there was a chance we weren't going to have a Pride celebration at all. And then, out of the mist, you stepped up and you did it, and we had a great time. So give us an update about the organization and uh, how things are looking this year. Um, first of all, I would, I would like to say that uh, Stephen Zolman stepped up uh, at the last minute the first year. Um, we had the celebration uh, in conjunction with the Russian River Chamber of Commerce, uh, very small, um, on the plaza. And in the past two years, um, we've really ramped it up uh, with, you know, with our team. Um, I think what made it possible is everyone has a passion uh, to make pride bigger, to make it better. Um, and if you can do it together... When we started, we didn't know what we were doing, and it, it was scary. Um, but but it worked out. We had fun at it. And, you know, when you have the right team and you can have fun at it, you can do anything. So 
we're still jazzed the second year as well. well that's really exciting. Uh, and just looking at the website, I mean, it's just it's grown so much. Talk about the organization of it, uh, who all is involved now, and how is it operating? Um, we have uh, we have chairs. We have a log- logistics chair. We have a um, chair of the parade. Uh, we have an entertainment chair. Obviously, we have officers. Um, we have MCs that help with the events. Um, we're getting more volunteers. We're getting businesses involved, um, and definitely had a large um, contribution by sponsors this year, which is making a difference. Oh, that's good. It's got to make a big difference because somebody's got to pay need, for all of need, this, right? You need it. It's, it's costly. Sure. Yeah. Sure. yeah. So you're, you're you're feeling like the organization is healthy and and vibrant and and sustainable. Um, I do feel it's um, sustainable. Um, Again, whenever you're growing, you're going to have new people that might be on a different page to some extent. Um, For instance, some people are happy with it being a small town Mm -hmm. parade um, and festival. Others, uh, such as myself, we look at the larger uh, vision, pushing equality for LGBT people, um, not just in California or locally, but nationwide wide as well as worldwide and that's that's really what we're trying to accomplish sure so the celebration this year is going to start on june 2nd uh, we talked about the film festival right. uh, earlier and it'll run through the 5th of june correct so uh, let's start there give us kind of a rundown of what the weekend looks like um first of all we're really happy to have outwatch uh film fest this year at the rio theater um, not only is it good for enlightening the LGBT community, but it, it helps the Rio Theater, which is always can can use a little um, assistance sure. getting through. Um, Friday afternoon, we have our first Friday Art Walk. Uh, that's followed by Country Western Dancing. And that's always put on by Sundance Saloon from the city, which always does a, a great job. Um, Saturday, there'll be a pool party at R3 uh, with a beer bust and followed by disco dancing at night at the Guerneville Betts Hall. Um, again, we're fortunate to have DJ Rotten Robbie returning for that. Um, Sunday, of course, the parade starts at 11 in downtown Guerneville and it's followed by the festival, which begins probably around noon afterwards and runs until 6 p.m. Awesome. So let's talk about the parade. Uh, tell us who we might expect to see marching down Main Street in Guerneville. Um, we're very proud of the Grand Marshals this year. We have um, Sister Sparkle Plenty, who was one of the original uh, founders of the Russian River um, Sisters. Fantastic choice. So that's good. Um, also pretty new on the scene, we have Chris Brocate from Clean River Alliance. This guy has gotten the community as well as um, many of the homeless behind him to clean up our riverfronts. In the past, I'd say six months, um, I believe he's cleaned up 150,000 pounds of trash. Wow. So that's awesome for a community grand marshal. And what I'm most proud of this year, which I think ties into our vision, is our celebrity grand marshal is Neil Gottlieb. Wow. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He was recently on Survivor. Yeah. Uh, But more importantly, um, a couple of years ago in 
2014. Well, I should say he's a, he's a co-founder of Local Three Twins Ice Cream, which, of course, is now available nationwide in mm-hmm. all 50 states. Delicious, so, by the way. Yeah, it's the best. So, um, so he's local. But in 2014, um, he climbed to the top of Uganda's highest peak um, after their president criminalized homosexuality. And at the time, I believe it was punishable by death. Yep. So he went to the top of the mountain, um, put up a flag, and then challenged the president to climb up there and get it. Okay. This year, in April, he placed a rainbow-painted outhouse with the trans pride flag at the summit of the tallest mountain in the eastern U.S., which just happens to be in North Carolina, of all places. Um, this is an ally of the community, which I even think makes it makes it better than you know being of the community. Sure. So for us to be able to honor him and his contributions, I really think um, is what we're all about, and it's just awesome. So he'll be there this year as well. Excellent, excellent. And so the parade starts at eleven a.m. Right? Correct. And people should come down and bring their chairs and get their places on the sidewalk to get probably to get about an hour, an hour earlier at least. Right, right, right. And then after the parade, uh, the festival takes place at the Guerneville Lodge, which I can't think of a better setting. I mean, it's right on the river. It's it's stunning. Right, love it there. So talk about the festival a little bit. Who do you expect to be there? Um. First of all, I'd like to give a plug to Guerneville Lodge and the owner, Al Cooper. Uh, he has worked with Pride since day one, um, especially last year, you know, our first main year. He, uh, he worked with us financially. Um, he, I can't speak highly enough of him. And in this business, it's about developing relationships with the partners that you work with. So we always try to do our best at our end and when we find people like him it's awesome um so some of the entertainers i, I saw on the website uh bobby joe valentine right one of my he's, favorites he's going to be there he's back again um he's a petaluma resident uh singer songwriter he was great last year he's um a songwriter of the year at the west coast songwriters association both in 2011 and 15 he sold 16,000 albums to date and has performed more than 500 co- um, concerts. Uh, so yeah, he's going to be on good. the Grammys one of these days, so come and see him now while you can. It's good. He's really fantastic. Who else is lined up? Um, we have DJ C. Lextra, who has DJed basically from Miami to Vancouver. Um, we have The Front, which is a local trio of female um, performers from West County playing acoustic rock. Uh, we also have another local, Bobby Ellison. That's right. Yeah. Bobby's so, been on our show a bunch of times. He's got a stunning voice. Yeah. He's really he's, beautiful. He's good. Um, we have drag kings, drag queens for entertainment. Um, it's going to be fun, and it's going to be something for everybody. And so so talk about that as well, because this is a fa- definitely a family event. Right. So you can bring kids. There's a, there'll be activities for kids to do. Um, there will. Um, we don't have a, a separate uh, children's section, um, but nothing that we do would be, you know, offensive to to kids or families, and we certainly welcome them. Great. And uh, food and drink. Um, food and drink. Um, we have a large. We have more vendors this year than last year. Uh, we're doing really well. 
And I can tell you, uh, you know, hopefully most of the ethnic spectrum in, in the food. Um, the vendors will go anywhere from um, Wildwood Retreat uh, to Peace and Medicine. So there really is something for everyone. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, so let's talk about Guerneville a little bit uh, as the host town. Um, if you haven't been out there recently, it's really seeing a rebirth. Mm-hmm. I know it was struggling, you know, during the recession, and there were a lot of businesses that were going out, and it's turned over. But you know, there's some really great restaurants coming on board, and new businesses, and it really there's a vibrancy there now. Uh, how is the town supporting this event, and what's their what's their involvement been for you? Their involvement, um, not only I would say not only Guerneville, but Monterio is also benefiting. You know, we had talked about the Rio Theater and Outwatch um, coming on there. We're trying to work with local vendors, local businesses, to make sure that they are at the festival. Um, we have the Rio Take Two Cafe. Um, they're also very active in Bay Area Rodeo Association. Um, what the local businesses do for us, they obviously don't have the money that our large national sponsors do, um, but they provide whatever they can. They're vendors. They provide um, fundraising opportunities for us. Um, they also provide volunteers, which, which we def- desperately need. Well, and they're open, and they're providing Support for all of the visitors that come as well. Right, and, right. And, uh, so it's a chance to get some really, really great food, to get out of the sun for a little bit and get something cold to drink. And uh, it's great that they embrace the event. At least it feels like they're embracing it. They are. They are. And as I said, this, this year, they're, I think they're more comfortable because it was successful last mm-hmm. year. Great. Well, as we were talking about earlier, these events don't get put on with the graces of uh, and the warmth of people's heart. I mean, it, it costs money to put this kind of, uh, of event on every year. Uh, and, and, you, and you do fundraising throughout the year. Right, yeah? right. So talk about some of the events and, and maybe some of the local sponsors. I know I saw that the Great and Casinos once again involved. Right. Um, this year we, we put on more fundraising events. Um, we have Give Back Tuesdays at Rainbow Cattle, and Rainbow Cattle Company has always been supportive of us. Uh, we had a Sisters Bingo event in Hillsburg recently. Last week, there was an event next door to you um, at Grayton. So we're doing pretty well. Um, I certainly want to acknowledge our two largest sponsors, um, both last year and this year. Um, great and resort and casino. Not only do they give money and provide fundraising opportunities, um, but I'd like to acknowledge Brian Rogers. He's our log- logistics chair, and basically without him or Grayton, we wouldn't have an event. Um, our also large sponsor is Barefoot Wine and Bubbly, and in that regard, I'd like to acknowledge Randy Arnold. They, they provide and support more LGBT pride events nationwide and probably no worldwide. So no, no doubt. I don't, I, don't, I don't think there's another winery that I see more frequently at you know fundraising events for LGBT organizations than Barefoot. They're right. always there. They're always – and you know, Randy's local, um, so, so we're, we're proud of that too. Um, Alaska Airlines has also come through again this year. They're providing us four round-trip air tickets to anywhere they fly worldwide. 
So wow. that that's an awesome raffle opportunity and sponsorship, and we're excited. Yeah, it's it's good. That's it's good. cool. Um, you know, and I, I also like to mention that we get smaller sponsors, sponsorships, uh, smaller businesses, uh, individual assistance, and it, it last year it cost thirty five thousand roughly to put on the event. This year it, it's higher than that. So just by showing up at the fundraisers, um, bringing your friends, showing up at Pride, anything that you can do really helps the cause right. and it's so, appreciated. So just so people understand, Sonoma County Pride is an organization is a nonprofit. Correct. Right? It's not it's not a private business or a for-profit. It's it's a nonprofit there to to put on the event. Right. So can people donate if they just want to give you money? Certainly. And where would they go to do that? They would go to sonomacountypride.org and the tab would be join us and general donations and just click on that. And it, it's easy. Okay. And we'd love to have the donations. And so if you miss that website, we'll put it on our own website at OutBeatNews.com. Just click on show notes at the top of the page and you'll find uh, a link there. And you can also access it through the 2016 Pride Celebration page that we have. We have a special link and we have all the information about Sonoma County Pride there. So uh, you can you can go there. And you can go to the event and donate, right? You're asking Certainly. For, for a donation at the door Certainly. or the gate? Right. And also at the dances and the events that we have on Pride Weekend. So is there anything else coming up uh, fundraising-wise between now and June 2nd that people can get involved in? Uh, No, we just had the last fundraiser last weekend. Okay. Right. So what about people hearing this, getting inspired to participate in the parade or have a booth at the festival? Is it too late? It is not too late. Again, SonomaCountyPride.org. We have a parade tab and a vendor tab. Just and, click on it. And so if you had a contingent that wanted to march in the parade, is there a cost associated with that? Um, there is, depending if you're a nonprofit. Uh, it's a little higher for uh, businesses, but it's it's very re- reasonable and you can pay online. Okay. And what about booth space? Is there still room at the festival? There is still room. I think we're up to probably over 30 vendors at this point, but there's still – we at Grenville Lodge has a lot of property, so. That's yeah, huge. Right. And so if you're a business and you wanted you said, hey, this is a great opportunity for me to to share my business and, and get the word out about what I'm doing, uh, people can sign up and they can register and there's a fee for that as well. Right, right. And again, it's, it's not much. We also, if you don't have a, a pre-setup, we can provide that. Um, that is an additional cost, but it makes it easier. But it makes it a lot easier because then you don't have to lug all that right, right. extra gear out there. And we also have, you know, not just businesses. We have nonprofits that have booths, um, government agencies. Um, it's more of a educational and helping and re- mm-hmm. outreach for the community. It's really great. We've got a few more minutes here. I'm just curious. This is so much work to to <laughs> to do this. Where does your passion come from? I think it comes from obviously being LGBT. Um, but also living in the river, I'm very passionate about the river, um, LGBT, it's been an LGBT getaway. Um, I know Terry was talking earlier about, um, LGBT history and there's such a tie in with the city 
and the river. I mean, people like Leonard Matlevich, Randy Schultz, Sylvester, they were all in the river. They had businesses in the river. Um, so although it's Sonoma County pride and we do have events throughout the, the 101 corridor, I'm passionate that the river retains pride. Yeah. Well, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, if you're planning to come out on Sunday to the parade and the festival, which we hope you do, your Outbeat Radio team will be there again. We're really excited about mm-hmm. being there. We're going to tape a live show that will air that night. And what we do with the show is we talk to all of you about what you have in the way of pride. Why are you there and, and why are you proud? And so we would love to have you join us on the air. That is on Sunday, June, June 5th. 5th. It's going to be here before you know it. Very quickly. Chuck, I really appreciate you being on the show. We've been talking with Chuck Ramsey, who is the president of the Sonoma County Pride Organization. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate it very much. And we'll be back with more right after this. People living with HIV and AIDS in Sonoma County. 500 of them don't know they have it, so neither do their partners. If you've ever suspected you've been exposed to HIV and want to know whether you're carrying the virus that could lead to AIDS, there's a place you can be tested for free, confidentially, and anonymously with results in just 20 minutes. Call face-to-face at 544-1581 or visit f2f.org. We want you to know your status. And that brings us to the end of our hour. My thanks to all of our amazing guests tonight. Don't forget to join us at Sonoma County Pride in just two weeks, June 4th and 5th in Guerneville. Your Outbeat Radio team will be there on Sunday at the festival, taping our annual Live at Pride radio show, and we'd love to have you join us. Tune in next Sunday night for an Outbeat Extra. That's at 8 p.m. and only here on KRCB Radio 91. In the meantime, have a great week, and thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. Outbeat News in Depth is hosted and produced by Greg Moralia exclusively for KRCB Radio. You can listen to our shows on demand on iTunes and on our website at OutbeatNews.com. And be sure to follow us all week long on our Facebook page and Twitter feed for the latest LGBT news from here in the North Bay and beyond.